Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Jason would have thought of this movie. I think he would have been like, I liked it. The plot Jason. didn't make a lot of sense to me. Which, honestly, really fair, Jason, uh, in this one instance. Probably. Hypothetical. I think he would have been uh, Positive. Like gen- a general thumbs up on it. Yeah. You know? Not like a too strong thumb. This is just my understanding of Jason's. I like opinions, this. Let's uh, let's do this every episode. Whenever we don't have somebody on, let's just spend the entire episode talking about what we think they would have said He's about not a big the episode. Yeah. That's true, but he is yeah. a big Kiyoshi Kurosawa guy. Uh, sure. Is the only do you think other he movie been that like he's this, seen. This this yeah. uh, this really got my pulse going. Would he say something like that, or am I just like impressing uh, yes, upon Jason him what I would say? Yeah. Would have said yeah. Some shit like that. That's some a Jason move right there. Stupid fucking bullshit some, like that. Some just absolute asshole thing to say <laughs> like that. Yeah, stupid fucking bullshit. Uh, speak Fuck of the Jason. devil. Thank you for listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about the movies we've watched, the people we've met, and the people we already know and watched movies with at or not at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast, and you, more importantly, can find the Trilon at trilon.org. Go there, grab some merch, and maybe also grab some tickets to the cool stuff they're screening, including uh, the remaining titles they've lined up for their currently active into the 21st century dystopia series, um, which we'll talk about one of those entries today. Before we get to that, our usual MC, Jason Daphnis, uh, Jason LLC Daphnis, as as he's been dubbed um, in the forums, is out on assignment this week. So we're placing him Top as secret. the... Yeah, exactly. So sh- mum's the word on that. So we're placing him as the first person to give their intro today, or rather this week. I'm Cody Narvison. I really need to label my discs. And you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I'm Harry Mackin, and I refuse to acknowledge death. And you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. Uh, and my name is Aaron, uh, and I don't really know anything about computers. You can find me on Twitter at RBPlease. Ain't that the truth. Uh, we also have with us today oh. uh, a very special guest who is returning to the show. Please welcome back to the program, Senior Associate Editor over at Game Informer, Blake Hester. Blake, Hel- how have you been? Hello. Thank you. I've been great. Um, in the interest of honesty, I believe in holding myself accountable as someone who has gone through the American rehabilitation process. Um, just want to say at the front, I had not watched this at Trialon. Um, I only live 15 Damn. minutes away, but just could not work out with my schedule. Instead, I had to rent a copy from the National Blake Hester Film Archive over in the corner <laughs> of my apartment. Yeah, uh, about 120 films strong right now. But uh, just want to say, a front did not see it on 35 millimeter. Saw it Listen, on Arrow's restoration. Unfortunately, Blu-ray. you were in very good company there, despite being a, <laughs> a podcast that is uh, ostensibly about the trial. On our hit rate is not as great as we often would like it to be. So. No shame. The rest of you, I don't know. Yeah. Over a year ago, I did see the other movie I came on this podcast for, and I figured that's good from here on out. I never have fifty percent is maybe better than we do. Yeah. So (laughs) that also was was uh, the general podcast consensus pick for the best film we saw last year. Do you think you can keep it up this year? Is there a certain level of 
uh, is there certain, I don't, you know, you feel like you got to live up to uh, possessions kind of high status. Uh, mm, with, with the film we're gonna I, talk about? I think cure is great or nope. I do think cure is great. Better than <laughs> pulse even Pul- better than pulse. Yes. I think yes. pulse is I also great. Agree. Uh, I would hope Trial would show a better movie this year. It feels like yeah. if this is the peak. It's going to be a maybe rough a, a few in, a, in the next week or two here. <laughs> you might say. Yeah. Uh, I like I like this as a starting point too. Let's just shit talk the the hell out of the movie, po- the movie we're talking about. It's right, like, hate this. Yoshi Kurosawa, uh, his mid. Winter piece. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to like uh, show my hand too quickly here. I think this is a great movie. I like a lot. I think uh, twenty years later, <laughs> he got he he was a dummy back then about the internet and how that was going to affect us. Um, anyway, I don't want to speak too soon. Thanks for no, no, no. That's that's perfect. Uh, yeah, we we got to find the happy medium between like really gassing up Pulse, but also like the Comedy mm. Central roast of Pulse. Like we like <laughs> sure. somewhere in the middle ground, I think is where we need to be. Before I guess like adding on to the preamble. Wait, wait, wait. Before we sorry, sorry. Roast, Kiyoshi what? Kurosawa, inventor of J horror, more like inventor of J snorer. Sorry, oh. got it. All right, we Cha-ching. can move on. Uh, Aaron, do you think your your pegs can top that that burn? Drop my that. Pegs. That's <laughs> with this. Uh, yeah, uh, my patented Aaron Grossman uh, summary, uh, of course, of the film Pulse, uh, two thousand one film, which is the film that we are talking about, directed by, as uh, previously mentioned, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, uh, follows a number of uh, mostly young adults uh, in Japan uh, as they begin to see a series of very unsettling and kind of disturbing images uh, as ghosts slowly invade the real world through the magical power of the internet. Uh, There are kind of two primary characters very generally that the film follows. Uh, The first is Michi Kudo, uh, played here by uh, Kumiko Aso, Aso, uh, a young woman who works at a plant shop and begins to see ghosts uh, when she starts investigating the disappearance of her coworker. Uh, The second is uh, Ryosuke Kawashima, played here by uh, Hirohiko Kato, uh, a university student who knows nothing about computers, uh, but signs up for a new internet service uh, and then begins to see these kind of disturbing images uh, on his computer of people, you know, kind of creepily sitting in dark rooms and staring out and things like that. Uh, The tech support questions that naturally arise from these sites cause him to meet computer science student uh, Haroe Karasawa, played by uh, Koyuki, uh, and the two begin to investigate the ghost sightings together. Uh, the film was pretty well regarded on release uh, and has kind of since become a cult film uh, outside of Japan uh, as well, with many people viewing it as one of the uh, most important and influential Japanese horror films from the end of the 20th century, the kind of the beginning of the 21st century, um, kind of attempting to grapple with a new decade and a new digital era, uh, kind of alongside films such as The Ring, Suicide Club, Perfect Blue, uh, Kurosawa's other film mentioned previously, Cure, uh, as well, uh, should also maybe be mentioned very quickly that uh, Pulse got an English language remake, uh, which I've heard is uh, quite bad, uh, but I've not seen it uh, myself. That being said, uh, Blake, it's my my mm. understanding that despite some of the shit talking, you're a, I would what, big fan, kind of semi-big fan of Pulse, uh, and maybe Kurosawa in general. I mean, um, I, I would kinda, say... What are your I- thoughts? Yeah. I, I like this movie quite a bit. I was stoked to revisit it. And I was like, hey, man, Kyoshi Kurosawa, master of vibes. Uh, this movie's got a tone to it. My history with it is basically like, I don't know. It's just one of those you have to watch if you're into like Japanese horror 
which is a fairly limited genre as far as I'm concerned. People like to act like it's this huge thing. It's like three or four movies that are worth watching. I mean, it's like seven, it's like 200 movies, but very few are worth watching. This is one of the worthwhile watch watches. I think from here, I quickly graduated to Cure, which I think is like easily one of the greatest movies ever made, um, which in turn makes it a little rough to return to like a uh, mid mid outing from Kurosawa. I mean, even a decade later, he kind of stomped on Pulse again with something like creepy. Um, but it was fun to revisit as like my entry point for him. Um, I forgot how like tone heavy it was and just like much it wallows and it's kind of like bleak vibe it has for this entire movie. I had forgot that like from front to back, it's like depressing. I, I, I don't know why I got in my brain. It was going to be more happy at the beginning. I'm like, no, no, I forgot. <laughs> like, this is a very like misanthropic movie. Punishing. Like, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a punishing watch. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I, the one thing I was really worried about revisiting it was like, quickly after my first viewing of this whenever that was like subsided i you know thinking about the movie i was like ah he he kind of took some l's on his uh on his uh <laughs> what he thought might happen with the internet he took some big l's sure. there and i i was worried i would not be able to see through that watching this movie and i just couldn't every time he was like trying to unpack an idea with the internet i was like no bro you got it wrong which is not his fault but it makes the movie kind of hard to watch I'm, in retrospect I'm if you curious. know the beats I, I feel like most of the, at least most of the stuff I found Googling around was like, it holds up, it's super prescient, it like, it nails everything. And I'm I'm kind of curious what those I uh, kind of faults. Get, yeah, I don't think it's prescient at all. Like, I think <laughs> the most prescient part of it is like, you might go on the internet and accidentally see someone kill themselves. That was kind <laughs> sure. of ahead of its time. Anticipated um, live leak videos. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> uh, but like, I don't know, it's. I believe that the internet can isolate people, but I don't think there was any way for like Kurosawa to foresee kind of where the internet would be in 2023, which is like a great tool for both very good and very bad reasons of bringing people across a country or world together to meet friends or like-minded people that, you know, they never otherwise would have met. Like literally I only know y'all because of the internet. You know what I'm saying? I'm gr- granted now two of us live in the same city, but like I only met Jason because of a podcast he worked on through the internet. And like, there's no reason Kurosawa should have known that, but also like his entire pitch with this movie is like the internet is going to drive people apart. It is going to make these like to use, you know, a Japanese term, a hikikomori, which I think is his fear. And yeah. then for some reason he thinks it leads to the apocalypse, which I don't entirely understand, but that's my my read on it. We 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 should maybe I yeah I have some thoughts about the the ending of this film that we can mm. maybe touch upon. I do, I do think that um I like kind of generally I think uh, agree with you at least about your kind of opinion uh, of the internet and kind of this film's take on it. I do think that in general though I may be a little more forgiving because I think that the internet. It, it seems to me that the internet is kind of not like the main point of this film so much as it is kind of a general um, conduit that, that Kurosawa uses to kind of explain what he sees as a like kind of a, a generational like malaise, right? Or, mm-hmm. or like sense of apathy and depression. Um, it, it feels like the internet is, is kind of a, a tool that he uses to explain 
um, detachment and isolation uh, at, at the end of uh, the 20th century and kind of moving into a new era. Um, I think you can make this film without the internet being kind of the main tool, right? Um, I, I think that it, it still kind of stands up if you're going to say, this is kind of the situation, uh, uh, kind of maybe globally, but even kind of localize it a bit more to Japan specifically with this generation mm. uh, who live in this manner, who kind of feel this way. I think you can kind of, you can make that point without the tool of the the internet. Um, which he kind of tries to say as much, right? Like there is an entire sort of conversation, which in this movie's sort of like general style is not super easy to follow. But like there is yeah. that one uh, grad student who's like, oh yeah, the ghost just chose a conduit, right? And it could have been mm-hmm. something else. It just happened to be the internet. That's how it worked. But like now the door is open, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that conversation to the best of my understanding is kind of speaking to what you're saying, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And, and and also, I think that it, it's something that he's it's something Kurosawa has kind of done before, maybe not as it's maybe not been as, as kind of front and center as some of the other like very obvious themes of this film. But I, I do think there is kind of the sense that this new era that he's he's referring to and kind of um, um, taking a look at as it comes in is kind of uh, in a manner built upon the era that came before it, which is why I think that this movie ends in an abandoned factory, right? I think it's why we see so many images of construction, kind of new construction, but also construction kind of tearing down old buildings. Um, I think it's why we saw the same thing in Cure, which kind of the climax of that ends up in kind of this abandoned building as well. I think that he is like, kind of focused on the future, but also kind of focused on the future is something that like kind of takes place of elements of the present and the past. Um, and, uh, but I, I do think that being said, this, this film is also, I think about a unique, unique blend of isolation that is for some reason, kind of unique to, if not exactly 2001 then kind of maybe the mm-hmm. decade or two leading up to 2001, which is why you get uh, something like uh, Hikikomori, if I'm pronouncing that correct, being a phenomenon that to my understanding kind of started at least being investigated and kind of understood in the 1990s. And so I kind of view this as like a, a, a look at that, which is why we have the internet, but we also have arcades. We also have TV screens. We also mm-hmm. have like all these images of not just the internet, but like, digital media in general kind of being this kind of foggy window that allows us to see an image, but maybe not clearly and and not kind of connect with it in in some manner. Um, I'm Um, rambling, but yeah. No, I'm really, really glad you brought that up because um, you're really getting to the heart of what worked for me about this movie this time, which I was really surprised by because um, sort of similar to Blake, I think that um, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I considered it like almost cure level not quite cure level but like i i considered it a masterpiece i think that looking at it now and having seen a couple more kurosawa movies i don't have that opinion of it anymore i think in particular we talked about this a little bit but um it really falls off for me uh in like about the last third um when it just kind of becomes a different movie that uh yeah yeah. um but i also know a little bit more about 
Japanese history, particularly the history of Japan in the 90s than I did the first time I saw this. And I actually thought that like for as much as this movie doesn't work for me as a sort of prediction of the future, it works for me incredibly well as a portrait of Japanese society circa 2001. Um, yeah, it's like a what, lost decade film. Oh, it's absolutely, absolutely the, yeah. like yeah. one of the biggest lost decade films I've ever seen. It's like 100% a response to that, right? And particularly in my opinion about the sort of generational trauma visited upon people who are entering the workforce during the lost decade who have no idea what they're going to do and who seem to have no hope for the future whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? And meanwhile, they are sort of coming up against as they come of age. Um, what I think the, the best metaphor of the sort of like myriad metaphors that the internet represents here, which is just this sort of like globalist trauma that's being revisited on these people. Like there's this, there is this impossibly broad and long history of pain and anguish and trauma that all of a sudden people can connect with like never before via the internet and via just sort of like having the connection to the global economy and society that they do that Mm. is very very difficult to uh process and is even sort of like deeply existentially unnerving um I really like the metaphor for uh death that that trauma takes on where it's just sort of like this this um, existential understanding that shifts so much that it is impossible to maintain your understanding of yourself in uh, place and time to the point where uh, these people are are either choosing death or choosing like to lose their reason to live because basically they are so displaced right by like by like this new understanding of ghosts this new understanding of like what it means to be a person uh, it it is like so fearful to them that they are literally just disappearing into themselves right and so like for as much as I think that the the specifics about isolation in this movie maybe don't totally resonate for me um, the the metaphor of isolation as this sort of like coming to terms and coming to age uh, and dealing with sort of like what it means to be a person in this type of modern society and speculating like how that is going to change people's relationships to one another uh, really does work for me and particularly makes the uh, extremely bleak ending work for me. I think where this, this woman basically like decides she's going to have a fundamentally solipsistic relationship to other people (laughs) or something along those lines. Right. And um, there's something really chilling and prescient about that. Even if a lot of the other elements, Elements of this movie kind of fall off, but um, I really loved Aaron's points about factories and arcades and everything. Like, I think that, like, especially it's especially valuable to watch this movie in the um, like, like in the Kurosawa like lexicon along with Cure, because Cure is also fundamentally about sort of like not necessarily where we are are like not necessarily what's going to happen, but where we are right now and where he thinks that's leading. Right. And I think that that's a really important um, sort of like viewpoint to bring into this is not necessarily like this is what the future is going to look like so much as it is like this is where we are right now and this is where I think we're headed. Um, And that is sort of a, a disquieting part of this movie for me that works really well. No, for sure. I, I think a lot in this movie like really worked for me as it seems like it did for, for all of us here. But I think that is, this is an important conversation to have like specifically the aspect of how it is the, like the central, uh, I guess, tool or device of like internet and new digital front, new digital frontiers. Uh, like how does that 
play as a conduit for like generational fear and trauma. And I kind of went into this movie, like not knowing much about it other than having watched and loved Cure and thinking about, you know, compared to the rest of the the films in the 21st century dystopia series, like I have a pretty good understanding of what those films are. I've seen most of them, but just not really having a, a quite having a finger on the pulse of what this particular movie uh, is about. And so I was looking, I was like, well, yeah, how does this fit into, into this, into this slate? And like right off the bat, it does, I think play at first in the, the opening sequences, maybe like the entire like first act, especially just being, on its surface and maybe a little deeper as an exercise in processing this sort of Y2K-esque fear that comes with like these new, these new realms and frontiers. And I got to asking myself, why are these images that we're looking at? Like, why are these frightening? Um, because it's not, it's not really like a, a, like a, it's not a jump scary horror movie, I guess, for people who are listening to this and not having watched it. It's not like of that ilk. It's very like, it's unnerving and it's eerie in, in other better ways. Um, but you know, it's, you know, just like even making notes of what it is that I was seeing. Okay. Like this, there's a silhouette occupying space or there, there are silhouettes occupying space in the dark. We don't really know what their intent is quite yet. We don't really know what the extent of our interactions or like the characters interactions with them, like what those will be like. And as the movie goes, we begin asking like, is anybody there at all? Like we're, we're being trained as viewers to look in these dark corners and thinking like, is there a presence here to begin with? And that's like, like a good, I think, realized version for all the ways in which this doesn't necessarily capture what the internet becomes. I think that on the surface is like a pretty reasonable, like uh, visualization of what the internet is like looking into the void, seeing some semblance of something there, not really sure what it is, but then like the, you know, potentially the most unnerving part being like what's looking back and interacting with you and just like being the mystery, like the unknown, right. Of like what that will actually be like and and the movie progressively kind of i i guess getting back into the things that we started this conversation about like how it veers away um from being purely like in like in a movie about the internet um and like what it's doing i i I think around the like the changing from first act to second act i i felt the the, like an off-ramp being presented where like we can look at this as a mirror being turned back to us and 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 i think um i mean uh, uh kurosawa like tweets it out basically at some point when she's just like, also, we're just like a really lonesome society. And isn't that kind of wild? Um, and so like, and, and so I, I guess all that is to say like the internet as, and like, I don't know the, the, the central tool. And I, I like how, I guess what I'm saying is I like how pulse kind of spins off of that and he gets away from it a little bit. And I guess to your point, um, Harry, as the the movie begins begins to become something very viscerally different, especially in, in the third act. Almost thinking about it, like it is like as things feel more like sparsely populated and, and barren. Like you sort of you don't realize that people are missing until like they're gone, right? And it, it, like it becomes a more like life and the movie itself are like more like everything is more like slow moving. And then all of a sudden, when somebody interacts with somebody else in the sort of the waning minutes of the film, it's, it's like, wow, this is really hitting its stride. It's, oh, it's just like two people talking. Uh, it's not like somebody sitting in a building. Um, so, but anyways, I, I think I exhausted everything I wanted to say. But that's I don't know. I, I like where we're getting at is 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 what i'm saying yeah to backtrack slightly on what i was saying like i do think this movie has interesting ideas about loneliness and um i i really like its whole plot thread about like the human fear of death um i think there's some really interesting ideas in there 
but like me being hung up on the internet part of it is one me being pedantic and just watching a movie and be like you got it wrong but two like i do think if you try to predict the future in a movie you have to take it on the chin when you get it wrong and i think there are i think because that is such a central way it like is communicating its message unfortunately i don't think it stands up compared to like some of the more immediately analogous lost decade films like suicide club or perfect blue i think has more interesting stuff to say and about the I internet think both of those are yes. really really good examples yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 like i i think perfect blue has some really cool internet themes in terms of like that guy being obsessed with um the main character's name escapes me battle royale is probably like one of the best that came out I just think Kurosawa has such a cynical view of the internet, which also I think he was like in his late forties when this came out, so that might explain. Oh why damn, he, he was a boomer. You're getting yeah, him to be yeah, a boomer. Yeah. He's I, aging. He's... he's aging well, but you would be surprised how old that man is. He is like pushing seventy right now. He's complaining uh, about floppy disks and stuff. He's it, it kind of <laughs> yeah. turns this film on its head, where he's, he's like he's just pointing at computers and complaining about them. Kind of, yeah. Really, but, yeah. And well, kind I think. Of. For what he is trying to say about, like, loneliness and, like, the way youths, like, kind of have abandoned social lives and, the lo- like, all this stuff, he seems to use the internet as a scapegoat, which in a lot of ways feels like a cop-out to me, but also it feels like he's a victim of making this film in 2001, where he would have no clue that, like, you could make a way more interesting horror movie about social media, where it's like, hey, people found friends, but oh shit, they they, they found friends, now they've radicalized, it's a problem, you know? And, like, and, and also, like, the machine itself seems to be leading people toward radicalization because it's profitable yeah. to do so. <laughs> yeah, like, yep. I, I think there are, like, way more interesting places this movie could have gone if it was made 10 years later um, sure but it is what I, it, it was made when it was made so I, I i think that uh uh to kind of add on to your point i think that you either have to like really nail it which like perfect blue does or you have to get it so absurdly wrong that it kind of becomes camp in a certain manner you have to like demolition man it although demolition man nails some stuff too uh but but like you have to do one of the two and this film is like in a weird spot in the middle where it kind of doesn't do either maybe that's a little harsh like it 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 get approximates it right but like i also think that like this film uh especially compared to cure which is like there is something about this coming out four years later than cure that is kind of damning for it because cure does something very similar it is i think a better shot better looking movie um i think it is aged a lot better and that this feels like much more of a 90s movie than cure does where you could you could maybe apart there's from like a scene or there's two something about the like clothing right even that like yes looks, the, yeah the guy's shirt is like with the and maybe you know that's like i think maybe an accurate character portrayal and i think pretty accurate to 2001 you know what i mean but like there's something about the uh kind of the patchwork on the back of his like button down shirts that he, he's wearing unbuttoned right and like the the flames on some of his shirts and his hair and Yes, there's 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 an aspect of that. Although I'm willing to forgive the film those elements because it is concerned with like a, a, a younger audience generally than a, a film like Cure, which is concerned. The main character is like this older kind of detective. Um, I thought, to be honest, I thought I was going to come in here and was going to be the only one kind of having anything negative to say about this film. This is like weirdly refreshing. I think I think I will say that like I agree with Blake's kind of general point which is like and cody's too which is like i think this film is like 
Well, you didn't. They just said it a minute ago, Harry. (laughs) Harry gave me like his hands up. I think you'll agree with this. This film is like saying a lot of stuff that I agree with. And I I, I think it is so like deeply entrenched in like making three or four very strong thematic points. And I like really agree and, and with and like those thematic points. But I think the mechanics of how it works in the film is often pretty sloppy and like. I think this film yes. is too long. Yeah. I don't like the apocalypse, apocalyptic imagery at the end. Like, there's like a bunch of just like kind of in the weed shit that feels dumb to talk about that I think just like does not work for me, and it works in Cure and in Perfect Blue. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't know. It's I'm happy I'm not the only one with anything <laughs> negative to say about the film. I think that it's uh, and and I feel bad saying this, right? But I think it's a little bit trapped in the genre, right? Where like I think I think that like. Um, Cure is similar in that it is very, very broad and very metaphorical. Like the the whole psychic or um yeah, the the psychic, the hypnotist stuff. Like the mesmer. The yeah. mesmer. It's all like it's it's had like capital M a metaphor in a similar way to this movie. The problem with this movie is that it spends a weird amount of time on like like logistics and mechanics that are actually like completely nonsensical in my opinion like i don't really know why like what the ghosts want at one point she says like oh like the ghosts don't want to kill people because that would just make more ghosts unclear why they don't want to make more ghosts uh they want to trap people in their own loneliness forever and afterlife is full yeah but like okay so like why is that the ghost's (laughs) problem uh but uh they like death is the ultimate loneliness for them, but they are like, they kind of want other people to experience it too. Like, is it revenge? Um, I like the, it's just not a movie that I think lends itself well at all to the finale that this movie tries to have. Um, and the fact that they try to have it kind of defaults back to like the worst, uh, sort of like, in impulses that kind of Blake talked yes. about, right? Where like I never really thought about this as a boomer type movie, but like it kind of is and you always be on that phone type movie, or at least it can be reduced to that, which is such a shame because like you had said, Aaron, like I think that like again, as a pretty broad metaphor, but like I really love this idea that A, like these are young adults who are coming of age and like maybe getting their first jobs and realizing that maybe this is as good as it gets. Right. Like, which Holy shit, is that a resonant anxiety? Right. Like I remember getting my first job, getting my first apartment and then like having a moment that was like, Oh, like what happens now? Right. Like now the rest of my life is going to be this. Uh, I've like reached this sort of like last stage and like, what if I'm lonely forever? Right. And then like, that's sort of extended through death here, right? It's like, hey, like, what if you're just going to go on being lonely forever, even after you die? And then there's just, there's nothing else, right? Like nothing else is coming. Um, It's kind of an end of history movie in that way uh, as well. Um, Or like, you know, also like this idea that, we we built the internet to try to connect with people and what what it dis, what we discovered was that everybody else is just as lonely as we are right like those are two big ideas that are really tender and like really um i can empathize with right but then you get into this place where like this movie is so uninterested in empathizing with its characters uh, in favor of sort of what we've talked about before, which are the sort of logistics or like make being creepy, which like, again, I don't fault it for that necessarily, but like at, when you, when you know so little about these characters and you have so re- little reason to identify with them, it takes what I think is a pretty poignant humanist message and makes it into something that is a little bit more uh, like 
I don't want to say like cynical without purpose because it does have a purpose, but just sort of like uh, needlessly, I think the word you used, Blake, was misanthropic, which is a little bit how I felt about this. Is that like by the end of this movie, like I don't, I don't know, like I like the the woman is asking like um did i do the right thing in in continuing to be alive and and i'm like huh uh maybe <laughs> you know and like i want it to be a stronger yes than that i guess yeah that um here's one for you yes um harry that was really well said uh, and i guess spinning off that i i think the I like the the pivot to examining this within, I guess, yeah, like within its genre. And we do have, I think, the benefit of having experienced and discussed, uh, having discussed Kira in a previous episode of Try Love. Um, like, I, I like that we have that bandwidth to, and mileage to feed into this. Um, one thing, I, I guess, from like sort of a genre perspective, but also just because of like who we know Kurosawa um, to be, like, I, I found myself really enjoying the kind of like the visual storytelling uh within this movie even if what was being communicated was kind of like jumbled and like like not altogether clear the communicating the logistics that that you know that 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 we've been talking about here it's it's a two-hour movie there are a lot of like logistics being casually thrown out but like the ways in which they are being communicated like i i mean that's reason enough i think to watch this movie the little things i noticed of just the 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 visual like the landscapes and how they communicate this loneliness um like i think as i mentioned earlier just as people are are bopping around this you know bopping around town and they don't i feel it felt like i was watching like a charlie brown cartoon where like nobody really has any agenda there are no members of authority anywhere like there's there's like fleeting um outlines of yeah like uh, agendas like the people who work at the flower shop are as much there because other people are at the flower shop as they are because that's their job um there's there's a, a hint of a computer science class but beyond that it's just people are are in the library because uh, i mean um uh, Kawashima himself is just oh I like I had a need to be at the library. Library isn't, isn't usually somewhere I go. I'm I went online because other people are there. I thought there were like really interesting um, like seeds of ideas being dropped through like the fact I, I wouldn't go so far as to say this is like a like a city as as character type of production as as um, something like uh, you know a Wonka Hawaii film or you know we're talking about the Nostromo and Alien. But I, I think there, there's a lot of really fascinating um like storytelling being told in those spaces um the uh even just the presentation up top of the like the flower shop where where people are going down to oh yeah. god i forgot i forgot his name um the uh um the guy working on the disc uh taguchi uh, i think taguchi. his name was yeah it's like going down the lighting is completely different the elevation is completely different it's you know an, an environment uh it's like dimly lit just like that that sort of disparity between spaces as like loneliness really begins to fester and the ghosts start to take over i thought was really um fascinating and like on the note of weird wonky logistics like why are there forbidden rooms in this movie i'm not really sure uh, especially waking up today and feeling like pretty good about this movie the idea of a forbidden room as a storytelling logistic is kind of whatever but i do like how effectively it evoked dread which and, like and it, like to, yeah. your, to your point and when it comes to like the geography of the city it's so effective right it's like we just mm-hmm. see these rooms with red tape and it's just like oh that's a quarantine zone slowly more and more rooms are filling up the city um so it's really good for that but you're right it is a it's a weird sort of like displaced metaphor <laughs> 
Right, right. And it all comes together as like a lot of parts, even if they don't always feel like there's like there, there's like a capital W hole here. Like a, a lot of, I think, great jumbled parts is, is ultimately, uh, I think, what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, f- f- fine stuff. I think it's a, a movie people should watch, but not a hot take. Not to kidding. dunk on my man Kurosawa, who's made some real, real great work. Maybe not a movie worth thinking too hard about in 2023. Because, like, there's some good horror in this. Everybody knows the lady who dances in the hallway. She's fine. She's great. But, scared like, the shit out of me the first time I saw it. Yeah, yeah I think there the the sound in this movie is so next level. I think it's worth yeah. watching for that alone. The only thing that scares me in this movie is when those fuckers whisper Duskete in your ear, like... Mm, gets me real good so as negative as i've been on this whole thing like i still think it's a worthwhile movie like if you're into the j-horror as it is like canon like go ahead and watch this alongside the other greats um i think just on repeated visiting like a a repeat visit it just like it does not hold up as much to me as maybe i thought i would a few years ago when i first saw it or like even in comparison to other kurosawa films which seems like a common sentiment we're saying i I mean and it's tough right like i think aaron mentioned this but like we cannot overstate how tough it is to put this movie up against cure because like i maybe i'll just plant my flag i think that's like the best horror movie ever made uh just or just about top 10 for me yeah 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 I would put it up there. Um, Should we just I, I, all figure out our top 10 horror movies now? Oh, shit. I think that's you probably have interesting... watched a lot more horror than <laughs> everyone else an... here. <laughs> yeah, but that's such an interesting thought experiment now. It's like, is Cure one of the best horror movies ever made? I'd, I'd I did it. call it one of the best movies ever made earlier, but now Which I'm does really include like... horror. Maybe you're okay with it putting does. it in best it movies does. ever made, but not necessarily best horror movies ever made? <laughs> it's a different genre. Like, oh, it is. is absolutely. Horror is a lifestyle. It's not a like a, right. a movie you know i have to kind of i guess one of my biggest issues with this film that is kind of and hopefully maybe we can talk me through this because it's it's been kind of uh annoying me a bit since I, I finished watching this is that i i think it kind of has a similar problem for me that to be frank a lot of the big kind of japanese horror films have and a lot of even japanese maybe not horror films but films from around the same time period that are grappling with some of the same stuff. So I'm thinking very specifically about like Suicide Club and Battle Royale, two films that I kind of generally enjoy, but don't really love. And I think have a lot of the same issues uh, as this film is that I think that there's like specifically with this era of Japanese film, which is maybe this is maybe a very dumb, ignorant thing to say. It feels like the social issues that they are tackling are at least much more compared to, uh, American films uh, from kind of the same time period attempting to say something about uh, Japanese culture and society on like a, a very large kind of a macro level. Right. And it is telling it through very kind of micro uh, kind of personalized uh, stories about this character, that character. But it is saying something larger about some problem. The kids are not all right. Sort of a situation. Right. Um, Suicide Club, I think, does does that. Uh, in a very similar manner to to what happens in this film. Um, I like that from a thematic standpoint. I like that here, and I like that in Suicide Club. I do not like how literal that is made by the end of both of those films. Uh, there is something very unsubtle, and to be frank, kind of annoying about it, um, where the end of this film is straight up apocalypse. Uh, the end of Suicide Club is 
millions and millions of you know Japanese kids jumping in front of trains and whatnot. I, I think that there you are able to make those points in a personal and kind of subtle manner. And the minute it escalates, I, 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 I find it quite annoying and I kind of feel like it jumps the shark, I guess is how I would put it. Um, it, it, it bugs me every time I see suicide club, every time that I've seen battle Royale, uh, it, it bugged me here. I'm just like, I feel like the first two thirds of this is very subtle and making very large statements through very intimate moments. And it just kind of ruins that. And I, that's like my biggest problem with this film, apart from it also being maybe 30 minutes too long. Uh, and so maybe we can talk me through that. I, I don't know. No, I mean, I think I really agree with you, especially, I mean, maybe this is just sort of a, um, a caveat or an addition. I actually think I like the apocalypse thematically in this movie, like in, in the sort of like modernist, the center cannot hold sense. Like, I really like that he goes as far as he does to be like, hey, like technology and the social contra- construct are changing. They're in flux and they are headed toward this existential breaking point, right? Kind of like the end of cure in its own much better way, much smaller way also implies a kind of apocalypse. It's an apocalypse of the self, right? Where it's just like, Hey, like you are not going to get to think about who you are as a person or think about life and death as a human being the same way ever again. And that is happening soon. Right. Like it's basically like this new knowledge that Pulse is presenting you, that the Internet is presenting you. It's going to change everything and it's going to feel like the end of the world in some ways because it will never be the same again. Um, I like that. I think that I like it a lot more when it is character based. And I think that the reason why I don't like what you're describing, Aaron, is that I think it's kind of a cop out to get out of having to create compelling characters or compelling character arcs, which I think is maybe my biggest problem with this movie is that like, I like uh, Harui Kurosawa. I really like Koyuki's performance in this. These are not characters, right? Like we don't learn anything about these people. And in fact, like they even set up in particularly the, the third act, this idea that like our himbo king, uh, Ryosuke Kawashima <laughs> is like maybe just too dumb and obstinate and uh, optimistic to like be taken in by death, right? He's like, I refuse to acknowledge death. Like I'm, I'm going to go on living forever and it's going to be fine. And like, to me, that almost was like the phantom, like uh, protagonist antagonist relationship that this movie had to the point yeah. where it was like, oh, is, is like, is that the viewpoint that we have to adopt is Ryusuke sort of like it doesn't matter if life is meaningless and uh like death is coming for all of us we have to adopt this sort of absurdist stance that like it's worth it while i'm while i'm here and i'm here right now damn it um that would work so much better for me if Ryusuke was a character I identified with or enjoyed watching. Um, yeah. And I feel that way about all the other characters. And I feel like they almost like went with the apocalypse uh, in lieu of having to really explore the psychology of any of these characters. And I think that that's what bothers me about that. Um, and I, on another level, just sort of stylistically, um, I love Kiyoshi Kurosawa as a director so much. Um, Cody brought this up earlier, but like the the almost like anti jump scare nature of this movie, where like it's never like people coming into frame quickly. It's just like a light turning on and they're there all along, or like they had been in the frame all along. The ways that this movie subverts your expectations for what the where the horror and dread is going to come from and what it's going to look like unbelievably effective in the first two acts. 
Uh, to the point where, like, I think in particular in the second act, the way that um, he shows the sort of uh, deterioration of society just being like, there are all of these rooms that the characters inhabit that they're just like these indistinct people just sort of like shambling around in behind them and like nobody ever brings them up but it's like oh those are like people who have already had this happen to them that's like the best uh and then unfortunately like and maybe this is a 2001 thing the the primary image that i remember from the third act is the jet bomber going down over the city and that looks like shit looks bad it looks like garbage yeah like (laughs) i like maybe that's because it's cgi in 2001 but it's sort of like why did that need to be in this movie it's like such a tonal like mismatch with the rest of the movie the rest of the movie that uses technology's limitations so effectively right like this movie looks great and it looks great in the sort of like jurassic park sense where it's like oh like they didn't have very good technology but damn they were like they were like using it really effectively and then like that is all like really brought low by the final sequence um and again, a, a final sequence that thematically I'm kind of for, right? Like, I, and I think it, there is some striking imagery, like the empty Tokyo is really striking. Um, but, you know, uh, I think that, I think you're right, Aaron. And I think that, like, I wanted a third act that, that, uh, that goes deeper, right? And instead, this movie sort of starts as deep as it's going to be and becomes broader over time. Um, and that broadness didn't work for me yeah. as well as the piercing uh, psychological aspects did. Cody, could you get a clip of him saying, I think you're right, Aaron? Just just clip that. Please clip that. Let's get that on the soundboard immediately. Uh, thank you, Cody. <laughs> I or think Jason, I, I, when you're editing I was gonna this, say, please. Yes. Yeah, I will, I'll, I'll make the note now. I missed the timestamp when, uh, time when it was actually said, but um, Jason is is infinitely better at that sort yeah, of thing. No, so I'm, I'm sure it. we can capture that click and, uh, clip and put it into, into a button here. Um, something, uh, I'll, you know, just if we need an example um, of what... Sacre bleu. Something along those lines, but just, um, you know, Aaron is right. Uh, really quick, I, I, I agree, um, just like very, very generally. Like, I, I agree with everything that's been characterized about the ending up to this point. I, I like the text of the finale a whole lot. I just don't necessarily love the execution of it. I think the, the, um, I, I guess, and like ultimately, I'm gonna dunk on, on, um, Ryosuke Kawashima, uh, that character as well. Um, but like, when when uh when that character when kawashima sort of encounter has his encounter with a ghost the types of things that were rattling around in my head are like things that i am like all for this type of story this type of discussion ramping up to it's not like exactly the mortifying ordeal of being known but i couldn't help but think of it because like with with all about with like perception right because I, I can't remember exactly what the what the the spirit says but you know after kawashima is spending you know his time on screen saying you know oh i like i just don't recognize that i will die someday i'm gonna you know i want to live forever i wanted you know this naive this naive economic student over here um but he like him coming face to face and like having to confront that the ghost says something along the lines of like oh yeah this is real this is not an illusion and the sort of like i going through all of all of like the stat theory and logic classes I've taken in my lifetime, just like this, you know, this equaling this equaling this and like dominoes falling of just, you know, like nothing, nothing that we can perceive is an illusion. Like if we can perceive it, it is real. Uh, like death is an inevitability by dying. You are perceived. And when you're perceived, it's much harder to, to feel alone like that. And that playing into the, 
the Kawash, the Ryosuke um, and Haruwe sort of dynamic there, like and filling out that spectrum that kind of divides them in the end, um, I think is is really great. And the the literalization of like the of the apocalypse taking place as that like the ending of of things and you know the ending of our respective selves is recognized. I thought was like a, a really cool. I thought that was a really cool thing, a really cool place to get to. But the fact that like Kawashima's realization is like, it is, I mean, unless I'm wrong, like it, it does play kind of as the climax of the movie, at least like thematically sort of like him having that encounter, unless we can think of like a, a like a different rising action or a different culmination other than literally the, the spectacle of the, the jet crashing into the city, um, which yeah, definitely 2001 graphics that did not look great <laughs> relative to the rest of the movie. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, that's, yeah, I, I guess I'm just hammering home on, on points that, that we've already gotten to, but just, yeah, I'm, I'm very down for the, the text of that, even if the way that it came across was sort of a misfire. I, um, I, I I I like Aaron's calling this in Suicide Club and um, Battle Royale. The kids are not all right. Films. I do think that <laughs> my up, dude. <laughs> I think though I think an important distinction in my head about those these three movies is um, Suicide Club. I don't quite remember as much, but also like Foxy on Sono, so I don't care too much about remembering if he did this right or not. Um, Battle Royale though, I think is a very sympathetic movie to children. And yes. it's, the kids are not alright oh, because sure. yeah. the adults have fucked them. And that's why I like the jump the shark at yes. the end. I, I like the jump at the shark at the end because it's like hey, this is this is the future you are creating. You know, like Kenji Fukasaku from the cradle to the grave hated adults. Like, uh, so I I, I, I I personally enjoy the jump the shark in that. I think this is an incredibly, like, finger-pointing movie. And it's where he, like, um, Kurosawa is saying, like, you know, to keep using that term, because I, I really like it. The kids are not all right, and it's their problem. Where are these kids' damn parents? Like, these... Echoing something said earlier, like these people are not allowed to be characters. Like they see some of the most traumatic shit of their lives, like their best friend killing themselves, and they don't mourn him other than saying, "Like, damn, that sucks, bro." Like that is the 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 extent of the mourning these people have for the, their best friends. Like they are just like these husks, and it's it's the movie painting them as such. Like these people are not allowed to be human beings. There are quotes in it that are like, are they different from ghosts? It's like, dude, just like one, you're I almost would, 50 making this you're kind, movie. You're kind of selling me on the lack of characterization here. Yeah. I'm like, maybe that is. Kind of I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't like it because I, I don't always think Kurosawa, it was willing to, engage with something maybe he didn't understand there often feels like a lot of like judgment in this film and it's like dude you're not 20 you're not going to college right now you're an old man who used to make v cinema like it's a different era and where a filmmaker like fukasaku even in his late 70s felt willing to try to understand the characters he was creating and the movie's he was making the people he was making these movies for. A lot of times, Kuros Kurosawa does not feel as interested with Pulse and like understanding the, his own characters. That's a really good point, and like I'm hard pressed to disagree. I don't feel quite as much judgment, but it is really hard to like. I think that in particular because the movie sort of gestures at the idea that the rela relationships between these characters in particular is important, right? Like 
it's supposed to be kind of like a big like Marvel Avengers moment when Michi and Ryosuke finally meet, right? It's like these two convergent storylines that a are big Marvel divergent. Avengers moment. These two divergent moments that come to <laughs> they converge, right? Shut they up. They do converge. Uh, yes, <laughs> I like uh, their hero stand on top of a mountain. Yeah, too. me too. Yeah, when they play there. the sting. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, where did um, he get that cape? That was weird. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Ryosuke yeah. says his his tagline uh, right right in time with the music. Really good stuff. But like. I didn't, uh, their, their characters are so indistinct and like, I never got a sense of their relationship to each other. Right. Like there's even like, they gesture at this sort of like faux romantic relationship between Haraway and Ryosuke early on, kind of very, very vaguely. But again, like, I think you're right. Uh, Blake, like the the movie just has no interest in exploring these human beings. And it's like, yeah, like you can say human beings aren't really different from ghosts and maybe you're dead already. If you're just fundamentally uninterested in like, combating that idea right like this idea that like hey like maybe these relationships are actually real and they actually like um like do mean something right especially like because they get to this like um and i was going to ask about this so maybe that's a good transition but like the the sort of like um myth of sisyphus ending here right where it's like she um michi seems to acknowledge that like oh maybe being alive is not so different from being dead maybe i didn't make the right decision maybe there is nothing else coming nothing else is going to happen to me and loneliness is all there is i am going to be satisfied with that anyway right like we must imagine sisyphus happy like that is what it means to continue to exist in society like this is this acknowledgement that like nothing is going to change or, or like that uh, the, the sort of illusions that we had about meaning and uh, connection are false. We still have to keep going. Right. It's like, that would work so much better for me if I like had a compelling reason to believe that at least these people had created something that was real to them. Right. But like, I don't like Michi's like, uh, oh, I'm alone here finally with my best friend Ryusuke, and uh, I'm going to be okay. I was like, that's your best friend? Like, you've known him for like five minutes, and like, you never had any real conversations, and I don't know anything about either of you. Um, and it kind of like, it makes the sort of the fact that he falls into shadow feel very cynical to me, right? Because it's like, oh, I get it. Like, she never needed him in the first place. She just needed this sort of like, vessel to project a personality upon and now she'll be all right or something i don't know what did you guys make of michi's sort of final revelation there on the boat when uh ryosuke finally disappears and she says like i'm here with my best friend in the world what what was that for for you all i i it yeah i i kind of took it as her well, I guess uh, uh, maybe two things at the same time. One, it's either kind of a maybe a delusional proclamation as her friend kind of disappears. But uh, I think also and maybe the way I'm choosing to see it is kind of her kind of coming to terms with her isolation is, is not necessarily an inherently negative thing um, and kind of being able to live through that. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the, the, the point you made earlier about this film being kind of uninterested in those relationships offering kind of an out to the isolation. Um, I think it's like not a bad point, but I think that my, my argument against that is I, I think that the film is saying that like you can have these relationships and they might not actually matter. Um, that there is something larger going on that right. will impact you regardless of the sparks you have with, with kind of your, your day-to-day friends and whatnot. Um, and, 
I don't, that's like very pessimistic for the film to be saying, but no, but I, I mean, you're right. Maybe I agree with it to a certain extent, right? I mean, it is fundamentally um, a movie that says like, Hey, when you die, you're just going to be alone forever. Exactly. Yeah. Like you were when you were alive. It's like, it's, that's it's like, pretty look, pessimistic. I got a PlayStation five. That's great. You know, fine. Look, I'm, I'm in my room with my computer being a lot like good. We're, that's fine. I have the internet. Um, dude, but you my, saw, yeah, my, yeah. my dumb ass, uh, when she said that, I was like the boat captain. It completely went over my head. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the guy from Cure who's here at the beginning and end really quickly. Uh, my my first note is Koji Yakusho. Please DM me in all caps. So was, I I was like, hey, I get it. Sure. You're my best friend too. Please DM me, Koji Yakusho. His hair is so good. Oh my god, he's got it's, great it's hair. The, it's the dream for every guy who has hair that length, where it's gonna look effortlessly kind of wavy, and then you get that hair, and you're like, I look like shit. Yeah, well, it, I it's like, like yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like he he looks like he's a detective that's been up for forty eight hours, but still like really sexy, you know. And it's like, how do you do that? But it it the answer is you be a movie star. <laughs> yep, that's it. it, it genetics, I think. No, and I, I mean, Blake, you just, I interpreted it that way as well when she's like, ah, me and, me and my best friend, this, and speaking of which, hey, Kawashima, you're my best friend until I find somebody with a boat, in which case, <laughs> see you later, I'm with boat guy now. Um, that No, that's how I read that too, in part because, and this, I don't have anything new to add to this conversation, other than the potential variable of like this movie does, the, I don't know if it, the the fact that this movie is bookended with the boat like i don't know that just feels unnecessary and the fact that like the 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 boat was presented at the beginning and i and i think it's um excuse me michi's voiceover saying like this is how it all started uh and then just like we come back <laughs> yep, to the boat yep that's at me the end. i bet you're wondering how i got yeah, it this crazy it. situation <laughs> this fucked up scenario um yeah that just I, and i guess i don't know the Maybe it's just feeding into everything that we've talked about up to this point and all the various dunks that we've laid out. But that just felt like, I, I don't know if it was by nature of it being 2001 and like other movies doing that. Maybe my memory's sort of fuzzy, but ju- that just felt like too cutesy. Um, that ma- that fed into why I think the final notes of this movie didn't quite land. I mean, it certainly didn't make anything more like clear or straightforward based on like how the visuals are playing into like what the thematic journey has been up to this point. Um, I don't know. That just bothers me the more and more I, I think about it. Yeah. Well, also, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, he's planning on taking effectively a, a short distance ferry across the Pacific ocean, an ocean that planes won't fly directly over because it's <laughs> yeah. such a stormy well, sea. He's I was like, like, bro, you ain't making it. You're no. dead. Yeah. You're going to be a ghost from the lightning. That's different than the internet. <laughs> He even says, like, we're going to go as far as we can. And it's like, that's not that far, dude. Those boats are made made to be, like, do, like, hour-long journeys max. Brutal. Uh, Well, especially, Cody, to your point, because, like, I think, and, like, I don't know, right? I think that, like, I think, actually, it's probably meant to be sort of sinister and scary up until the end. But, like, there is this sort of suggestion that, like, by the end of the movie, psychologically, we're supposed to have semi-arrived where Michi is, right? And sort of, like, come away with this um, this newfound, hardened understanding of, of what it means to be alive, even with what we know now. Um, and I just, like, don't think that the ending works for that, because I think it kind of portrays the opposite, right? Like you had said, Aaron, where she's just like, 
in this delusional space where it's like, oh, well, I've been like broken by the, the circumstances. And now like, it doesn't matter if I'm alone or not, because like, that's who I am now is somebody who's comfortable being solipsistic. And like, that gets to Blake's point, right? Where it's like, oh, is this just like, is this Kurosawa being like really weird and judgy about the psychological realities of being a youth in Japan? And it's like, I don't, I don't dig that, right? Um, I will say uh, real quick, uh, this movie, uh, the last reel broke down at the Trilon like momentarily before we were, um, and uh, it was, was right it when uh, Har- Haruway shot herself and uh, Kawashima like like cradles her in his arms yeah. and, he, and he's like, oh, we have to help her, we have to help her. They turn around and they start leaving the factory and then like the lights just go down and like the, the movie just stopped and i is like, that the ending of this i knew it well there were some people who clearly it was their first time and yeah. they were just like oh uh? and the toy like, story three edit we were in, we were in the dark on. somebody yes. whispered tashkete which was really funny like somebody like made the most of the uh but yeah. i i was like man like what if that was the ending though <laughs> like sure then the, the movie resumed and the last reel played and i was like damn i would like this movie more i think i would like that movie more that was right the, the fuck off yep, uh, just... so you know but uh uh, that's 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 how it, director's I mean, like, cut what plain cgi i like, don't know what you're talking about <laughs> e- like it even like i'm just fully playing backseat director though but like the idea that like maybe haraway is going to be all right right like maybe she hurt herself really badly but like they're rushing her to a hospital and like what's gonna happen next like i even think that's a better ending <laughs> than than the ending that we get here but i digress uh that is just to say it was very fun to watch this at the trial on and, and have people. And then like uh, when the reel did come back on, um, it was without sound for a couple of minutes. And so like when he starts the car up, somebody in the front row was like, vroom, vroom. And like they got to do certain. So there was a there was kind of a cute community experience here that happened at the trial on. So take that Kurosawa. I had a connection with other people uh, while experiencing a film. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I just have a few notes I couldn't work in. I just want to read out if that's okay. Um, yes, one is please. I wrote Sho Aikawa's name about two dozen times. He has a cameo in this movie. Um, been in a lot of Kurosawa's old Yakuza films. Also just Yakuza films in general. Just a big fan of that little man showing up and taping a door shut. And then one of the only com- comedic moments of the movie, uh, a, the construction crew just completely <laughs> obliterates the room he tried to seal shut. That was, that was really funny. Um, I also wrote, every time a Japanese horror movie shows an apartment block, block like this, you're about to see the most fucked up shit of your life. Stand by that one. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, who was driving the train? Uh, question uh, that question. remains unanswered sure. and related where the fuck are they getting all these guns Ch- yes the gun in store. Japan? <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah. crazy well you know what it is you know what's huge over there is airsoft guns and when haruai kills herself um, no blood. there's no blood but she she's already a ghost her... i assumed you know what i mean like no oh. no i think that's when she uh, no I, I i think that's yeah didn't she already fade to black? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think she shot herself with an airsoft I was also gun like put and some got lucky the there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and that was it. Those were those were the only notes I wanted to read. I, I just had a good. Time I also with those. Uh, we we've not made a, like a formal bit, but yeah, the ju- junk drawer thoughts. So we were we're we're fully. Let's do in it. it. I, yep, yeah, I, 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 I was I was gonna yeah note that for for when uh, for when Blake opened it. I'm and I'm glad he did. So there's no we have no yeah. formal sound effects yet, but yeah, the, I would say the junk drawer is open for, for ten minutes. Can you hear this? Yeah. Can you hear this? 
That's great. Pretty That's good. good. I don't, I mean, clip that. We're clipping that. Oh buddy. shit! I yeah. y'all y'all go ahead. I it's at least a good desk. temporary <laughs> one until we get you we'll, know we pay we'll send you royalties, Blake. Dollars. Yeah, freelance. Uh, I I I have a few real quick. Uh, the first is that uh, maybe adding to the the not like horror but like the maybe the existential horror the general depression of this film uh the main theme for this uh film has like for the first like 10 seconds i'm pretty sure is exactly the same as adagio for strings it's exactly the fucking same and every time i heard it i was like are they just playing adagio for strings during the sad scene of some guy just like walking around a campus no it's a different song but like the first four notes are exactly the same very upsetting second this is maybe a little uh, crude to say, but the the scene where uh, uh, you know one of the main characters, uh, maybe both of them by the end, are kind of going around Tokyo, and it's like completely deserted, and it's like cars steering off the road, and it's like just the pit of the film, right? Like my friend has disappeared, everyone I know is killing themselves. Super sad, and like as she's like walking across the road, the only thing I can think is like, they have a lot of nice green space. Like it'd be nice to live in a city with so walkable with all that green space. And like, yep. uh, yeah, which why are they so sad? Living it does. It's so it does, nice. It does suck that like you can't come do to Chicago in winter. Right. You, you can't that. do yeah. a uh, dystopian future in Japan because no matter how dystopian you make Tokyo look, it looks about as dystopian as any American city at its best. <laughs> Yes, it's it's look, I, I talk up Chicago, but like Chicago at its best is like that image of, of Tokyo uh, very humorously. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, some of my favorite images, I do think that, well, we talked about the dancing lady. The moment when she sort of dips uh, was maybe one of the scariest things I've ever experienced in a movie the first time I saw it. Really good stuff. Um, the slow motion way that uh that they like tear the plastic bag off their head is extremely uh upsetting to me i really really liked that image um and then uh that first the guy who hangs himself um they really they really nailed uh how very very upsetting it is to look at that huh um did not like looking at that guy's body uh one bit um so shout outs to them for really crushing that um i think there's some really good subtle imagery too i really like the like um the black outlines i think that like the way that they're handled in the movie works really well um and i i think that like kyoshi kurosawa legitimately like you brought this up Blake, but like the way he can shoot um dread with his camera like is so effective like the angles he chooses the like distance of the characters from the camera the cuts the like subtlety in which like horrible things sort of like happen how slow most of this movie is is like really really effective and so like just a like legendary um horror director i think like one of the best um and i think that like that is maybe my favorite part about this movie, right? Especially the first two acts. It's just like, it's just like really, really well made movie, I guess. Uh, one scene I think we should touch on the dancing lady. Everyone knows we all love her, but the other most famous scene in this movie is the single shot of the lady jumping off the tower that never cuts. You just watch her hit that ground. It's still one of the more shocking things I think I've ever seen. I'm never going to get that moment back from the first time I saw that, but still, even now, like when it happens, I'm like, one, that's impressive that you all did this in 2001 and nailed it without any cuts Two, Yeah. 
a horribly upsetting moment. Yeah, don't don't history. ever want to see it. Yeah. And yeah. Like, also like he does such a good job with it where like that's not where the scene ends. Like we just cut back to like a couple of people coming out of their houses and just the main character looking like really, really upset. For whatever reason, the like that chaser makes that like scene even way worse for me. Just the idea that like, hey, like you get to sit with this now for several beats, right? And it's like, oh God, like Mm-hmm. Awful, awful stuff. I'll also say she looked more upset about that than watching her best friend hang himself, which was an interesting uh, narrative choice on Kurosawa's part. Very true. Oh, boy. Um, and now I'm sitting with that. But uh, I think now we can effectively, and this is anything else, we can go ahead and close that junk drawer. And I'm going to leave a, a clean read here for that. Uh, if you want to yep. close it again, yeah, do like it. you can. Otherwise, yeah. we can just like play the existing clip backwards. But I'll, I'll leave you to it. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's Beautiful. good. I mean, yeah. It's it's good. That's great. I, Ikea brand desk, baby. Good good for working, good for sounding. Except no substitute. <laughs> what you got in there? You got like a roll of quarters? You got like a pair of scissors? Like some, some See, paper clips? I have a guitar cable. A, That's a great uh, jump for a thing. A thing of Allen wrenches. Incredible. <laughs> a old mic that I don't use any longer. Great. One sharpie. Shall I keep sure. going? <laughs> no, that's no, that's. <laughs> I think that's a good image. That's some, a good okay, image. Okay. Some <laughs> random thoughts about Kiyoshi Kurosawa's film. Just Pulse. rolling around in here. Rolling really right quick, because I'm here. Three ballpoint pens and uh, an empty thing of Duracells also in there. Th- that is a classic junk ass <laughs> junk drawer. Wow, yeah, you really yeah, nailed it. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think 2023 might be the year of the junk drawer, new and improved. Um, we're really hitting, we're really hitting our stride with this. Uh, and I guess not to belabor the point, you know, we'll, we'll end on a high note with the junk drawer part. We do have one more segment to get into, and this is that awkward thing where I say, Harry, uh, Harry, do you want to go ahead and uh, and kick oh off shit, our, that's our last right, segment? it's just me. You thought I was going <laughs> to be scared about it? No, not at all. This is the segment that we like to call <gasps> Cody's Noties. Wow, hey. Thanks, Harry. Um, I feel like that intro really brought us all closer together. Zing, humanity, um, metaphors. Uh, today, we've got uh, a, an installment, another installment of the the game known as Trilibs, which plays off of the world-famous game known as Mad Libs, where you take a story that has some blanks that need filling in with various parts of speech. You don't really know what the blanks are corresponding to in the grander scheme of the story. And so by the end of it, you have sort of a, a fun, disjointed verbal adventure. And so what I've got for us is a, a story somewhat inspired by the movie we just finished discussing um see if you can pick up the similarities as we go at the end when we read through it but what i'll I'll do here in the order of aaron blake and harry the randomly generated order um may or may not have been alphabetical by first name um but be that as it may i'll just i'll I'll go i'll round table uh i'll ask y'all for a, a various thing to fill in and uh by the end of it hopefully we'll have something nice to share with ourselves and the fine folks at home who are either you know listening to this podcast episode by themselves or with some friends, uh, maybe preferably the latter, as uh, as uh, this you know makes you think. Um, so with that, uh, Aaron, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Could I please get uh, the name of a city? I mean, I mean, you know what it is. I got to go. If you Chicago, must. home city. Chicago. Let's go, Chicago. Very, very nice. Uh, Chicago has been etched in. You know, uh, I did bl- really think for a second you were going to be like, you know what it is, Louisville or something. That would have been a pretty good bit, but that's fine. Yeah, uh, real quick, shouts out yeah. Louisville. That's where I'm from. Uh, it's pronounced Louisville, okay. not Louisville. Louisville. Thank you. Thank you. Was, yeah. Louisville. Yeah. No. My parents live there now, so do yeah, sure. They're number two. 
Put it I up. know. Yeah. I know where they live. Man, uh, so you're, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're saying Harry's pronunciation is more like of a, a like a Lolville. Um, I'll see myself out. Um, Jason, you can cut that if you want. Uh, in the meantime, Blake, could I please get an adjective from you? Um, stinky. Perfect. Uh, the perfect adjective. Uh, I'll just editorialize. Uh, Harry, over to you. Could I please get from you a type of machine? Ooh, a lathe. A lathe. Perfect. Uh, Aaron, a verb, if you please. Uh, jump. Nice. This is excellent. We're moving right along here. Uh, Blake, back to you. Can I please get a noun? Blake. <laughs> you know okay. what? Should have known. I should have figured. Uh, Harry, can I get a verb from you? Ooh, uh haunted as in to haunt yeah 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 i got you i was gonna say well yeah <laughs> if, if if there are any sort Saved of it. weird if there are any gray areas I'll, I'll conjugate on the fly um yeah that's yeah but no that's that's excellent uh aaron back to you can i get from you an adjective oh magnificent Magnificent. I'm drawing out syllables because I'm going to be replacing this in a few places. Spoilers for Trilibs. Uh, excellent. Uh, do, 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 do Blake, back to you. Uh, a noun, please. Picture frame. Nice. Very good, very good. Uh, Harry, a verb from you? Drink. Hey. <laughs> Asada, cheers, Governor Aaron, a noun from yourself. Um, a box of Kleenex. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, Kleenex oh, box, I'm, if you'd like. I was going to say, I'm looking at the judges. Tish- uh, where, th- this episode is not box. sponsored by a Kleenex brand, so I don't know if we can use it. You know what? I'll, I'll include it, okay. and then I'll use this to blackmail them into, like, more royalties. Sure. We need advertising. Uh, yeah. Yeah, f- for sure, for sure. Uh, and now, let's see. Blake, th- this was this is a, a little little bit uh, kind of off the beaten track. Can I get from you a, a type of duration of time? Decade. A unit of time. Decade. Decade. Nice. Nice. Excellent. 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 Um... You'll know I like it when I use uh, when I say the word twice. So good, good, excellent, excellent. Um, Harry, over to you. Can I get an emotion from you? And then once I get that, can you please uh, say a type of emotion for me? <laughs> I classic. Uh, how about um, melancholic? Melancholic. Uh, really great, really great. See, you tell I like that. Uh, I have bittersweet memories because I, I misspelled the word melancholy in a spelling bee way, way back when. Um, and thankfully, I, I think I got it right. Yeah, it's a uh, melon like the fruit. You know, I nailed it. Uh, Aaron, can I get a, oh, nice. Can I get a type of vehicle from you? I feel like you always get these. Oh, um, uh, uh, wow. There's so Horse. many good ones. Horse. Horse? Nice. Yeah, that counts, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, yeah, nice, I, nice. Yeah, that totally. Yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, Blake, back to you. Just some scrolling them down. I think we've got a, a handful more piece here. Uh, can I get from you, Blake, an adjective? Smelly. 
smelly and stinky the 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 holy the holy duo this is this is really coming together harry can i get a noun from you tiger Ooh, rare. all right tiger i've etched it in into the concrete slab known as this episode's trilibs aaron an adjective please uh repulsive nice really good uh do 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 do, do. blake uh, can i get a verb from you puke <laughs> awesome uh harry and a verb from you as well chat <laughs> excellent okay yep yep uh one more piece this is everybody's these will be everybody's final ones here aaron can i get an adjective just full of adjectives for me today uh yeah, minuscule yeah. yeah, I was going to say, as far as trilibs go, I feel like this is the most straightforward one we've had, at least in a while, as far as just like, I'm not asking. Yeah, yeah. can I uh, can I get a, a, Aaron, from you, can I get a type of uh, human excrement um, or a type <laughs> of bodily poop, fluid, please? Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. Okay. Oh, poop. That's, yeah, it's a good, uh, good, yep. good solid one um, in most cases. Blake, from you, can I please get an adjective? Cute. Brilliant. Brilliant. And Harry... Last but not least, from you, can I please get the name of a movie? Oh, that's tough. So many good ones. So many good ones. Uh, let me think. Uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Maybe my first uh, experience at the trial on. It might be Jason's as well. Um, though I guess today that's one and the same because we're the same person. But I think... I think that covers all of them. Uh, if not, we'll we'll adapt on the fly. But thank you, gentlemen, for your input. I will now present for the world this installment of Trilibs, uh, which goes by the name of Trilibs colon Ghost Story. Once upon a time, the city of Chicago became overrun by ghosts. Many incidents played into this stinky development. For one, the rise of lathes made it easier for lost souls to jump into the physical world. They would make their presences known through Blake's and other unexpected objects, so much so that people felt the need to begin haunting spirits into separate areas commonly referred to as magnificent rooms. It's said that if you entered one of these magnificent rooms and you did not have your picture frames about you, you'd receive a fright and eventually lose the will to drink. The working economy was noticeably affected. Reports from various uh, box of Kleenex shops and other local businesses said that one by one, employees would disappear for decades on end. Either they were exposed to a magnificent room or their increasing loneliness, uh, loneliness rather left them feeling too melancholic to leave their homes. Plus, the disappearances meant public services like horse routes became increasingly unavailable. It was a local graduate student who theorized that ghosts stuck in far too smelly of a world needed to explore new spaces, like a hard drive being too full of tigers. As worlds converged, the ghost encounters became less restless but more repulsive. Humans puked with their lonely existences, and those who yearned to shit as far as they could into the future discovered minuscule ways to cure their loneliness. One cute method involved bringing as many people as possible together for screenings of the film Treasure of the Sierra Madre. The solution wasn't perfect, but then again, life never is. The end. Wow, it was beautiful, Cody. That was great. Well wow. Hey, you oh, you fellas made a you fellas made this possible. Yeah, no, that's um. We'll we'll publish a, a compilation of all of these installments. Uh, it's uh, it, once we get to a thousand pages worth, we'll we'll submit it to the trial of shop, um, and all that good stuff. But right. um, 
Yeah, oh, I got to hand it off to myself. Thank you, Cody, for always ending our episodes on a, a better note than they started. Um, thank you, Jason. And a big thank you, I'll say, to our special guest, Blake Hester. Uh, and Blake, this is where I'll, I'll leave it open for you. Do you have anything you would like to plug for the fine folks at home? Ah, anything at all I want to plug? Um, yeah, Grindhouse Video in Knoxville, Tennessee, where several years ago I bought my copy of Pulse. And a bunch of other uh, movies I, I probably shouldn't say I own publicly. Not illegal. They're just gross. I don't want anybody to know I'm a freak. But Grindhouse Video got all the best stuff. So plug them. They're great. Shouts out. Nice. Nice. Well, excellent. I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast today without them because I could not have made it to the show or to the Trilon this week. Right. So uh, they came through clutch. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Out of the ordinary for us to be boosting physical media as much as we do. Uh, just kidding. We do that a lot anyways, but it's always nice to have uh, another another voice being thrown to that good y'all, cause. Y'all ever been the, to the Minneapolis residents? Y'all ever go to that movie rental store? I'm not really sure where it is. I think it's called Video Universe. Is it? Is that the one that just got it got announced that it was going out of business? Did it? it, it like, um, where is it? I forget where it is. It's in some... S- it's like, I can't remember. Yeah, are they going out of business? If so, I'm I hope driving not. there today and buying everything they have. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's they, Video it Universe, and they have like every movie you would ever want. I will, I'll, I'll go in there, and like nothing will be too niche or too extreme or too really? underground. They will have it somewhere in that place, and it's all rental. They, I don't Damn. have a Minnesota license yet, so I'm not allowed to rent there <laughs> because you Damn. have to have a local license. But like, I'll just go and pour over the shelves just to be like there's no way you have this and sure enough they'll always have it it's crazy i'm gonna drop a link in our chat yeah, i'm here. going there right now right now <laughs> I'll show yeah you that. harry yeah, just well, left here. the recording all <laughs> <laughs> well excellent i've got the link here i'll make sure it's included in the show notes um whether or not this is the one that is going out of out of business um hey word to the wise um support those endeavors uh, as much as possible support the Trilon, uh, trilon.org. Um, and, and this is me leading into the outro, unless anybody's got any anything else they want to throw out there. But, um, all right, going once. I'm just scared twice. this place is going out of business now. Oh, well, okay, yeah, let's, for those of us here who want to want to go out there and, um, you know, save, save these local causes, uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today for this episode about the film Pulse, uh, released in the year 2001, I believe, directed, uh, directed by um, uh, the, the master the, hor- the master of horror himself, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, um, one of the best horror filmmakers of all time. Uh, you can find us, uh, those of us talking, um, uh, at least, you know, the, the enterprise itself, Trilove. You can find that on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon.org. Please uh, support, as we've been saying, please support the Trilon in any ways that you're able. Um, and like we said up top, the 21st Century Dystopia series is still rolling. It includes a lot of what I would consider modern classics, uh, and a lot of them have yet to be shown. So, Get your tickets. Humbly recommend getting on that. I've been Cody Narvison, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I've been Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. My name is Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at RB, please. And one final question for you all. Would you like to meet a ghost? Mm-hmm.